Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, O you who have believed, udukhulu fi Enter into Islam completely. Because Allah wants us to come closer to Him. Allah wants to bless us even more. He gave us the blessing of Iman. He gave us the blessing of Islam. And now, Allah wants to show His ra'fa to us. He wants to be even more kind to us. He wants to reward us. So for that reason, Allah says, أُدْخُلُوا فِي What are you waiting for? Strive. Come forward. Do something. Don't just sit there. Waste your time. Waste your life away. Do something. And what should you do? أُدْخُلُوا فِي أُدْخُلُوا دُخُول is to enter. So you should enter, all of you should enter for silm, in a silm. What does silm mean? Submission. It's referring to the religion of Islam. How should you enter into Islam? Kafa, completely. Kafa is from the root letters kafa, fa, and kafa as an adjective, it means when something is done in entirety, without exception, without leaving anything out. So in other words, don't pick and choose what you want to do, what you want to leave out. Rather, do everything that you're supposed to do. Implement all of the commands. Stay away from all of the prohibitions. Adopt all of the sha'ir. Don't make exceptions for yourself. Udukhulu fisilmi kafa. Why? Because when you enter into Islam completely, completely, then you will be safe. This is just like if a person is trying to get into the bus or into the car. And he says, you know what, I love the fresh air. I love the sunlight. Let me just put one foot in and let the other foot hang. Let me just sit on the seat and let me just be outside as well. You know, let me just hang on the other side. What's going to happen? One turn and he's on the ground. Or the door is going to slam shut on him and he's going to either break his fingers or break his arm or something or the other. Something very harmful may happen to him. Do you think that's a wise person? Do you think that's a wise person? No. Who's the wise person? Either you sit in the car or you don't sit in the car. Right? So, Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us the opportunity to sit in the car. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. But now what should we do? Get into the car properly. Sit comfortably. Put the seat belt on. And shut the door as well. Because if we don't follow the whole procedure, then we are going to put ourselves in danger. Likewise, in Islam, there are many things that we are supposed to do, many things that we are supposed to stay away from. Many things we are to adopt, many things we are to give up. It could be habits, it could be our lifestyle, it could be the kind of clothes we wear, it could be the kind of speech we use, it could be you know, the kind of things that we eat, it could be the way we deal with others, it could be the way we buy and sell, could be many things. So, أُدُخُلُوا فِي What does it mean? Become a complete Muslim. Enter into Islam completely, become a complete Muslim. You know, sometimes people say, oh, they are practicing Muslim. Not too practicing Muslim. What does that mean? I mean, a person is either Muslim or he's not. Allah tells us, أُدْخُلُوا فِي Don't pick and choose. What did the Bani Israel do? أَفَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِبَعْضِ الْكِتَابِ وَتَكْفُرُونَ بِبَعْضِ You believe in part of the book and you reject some of it? This is not right. We learned earlier, صِبْغَةَ اللَّهِ Take on the color of Allah. Dip yourself, immerse yourself in the صِبْغَةَ of Allah, in the color of Allah, so that you can enter into Islam completely. 
But if you don't do that, then you're going to harm yourself. You're going to put yourselves in danger. And not just in dunya, but in the akhirah as well. So, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أُدْخُلُوا فِي السِّلْمِ كَافَّةِ Submit fully. And what does it mean by fully? Apparently. On the outward and on the inward. You know some people say, I have fear of Allah in my heart, but I don't pray. I love God. I don't think wearing the hijab is that important. I don't think eating halal is all that important. I don't think fasting in Ramadan is all that important. It is important. We need to submit to Allah on the outward and on the inward. At home and also when we're at school. In Ramadan and also outside of Ramadan. At the masjid and even outside of the masjid. Not that in one place we look one way and in another place we look completely different. People wonder, is it the same person? No, we should not be like that. Because someone who has truly entered into Islam completely, wholeheartedly, then he will be the same everywhere. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether he's at home, or she's at the mall, or she's at school or college. No. She will pray there. She will pray everywhere. She will have fear of Allah everywhere. So, أُدْخُلُوا فِي السِّلْمِ Enter into Islam completely in order to save yourselves. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا And do not follow. تَابَعِينَ Do not follow خُطُوَاتِ الشَّيْطَانِ The footsteps of shaytan. Don't follow the footsteps of shaytan. Why? Because إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينَ He is to you an open, a clear enemy. What are the footsteps of shaytan? Khutwat is a plural of khutwa. Khata wow. And khutwa is the gap, the distance between two steps. And khutwat, steps. And one step leads to, leads to the other. One step leads to the other. So don't follow the footsteps of shaytan. The footsteps of a person indicate the way that he has gone, the path that he has adopted. For example, if you see on sand that there are certain footsteps that are going, you know, towards the right side. And there is another set of footsteps that have gone towards the left side. And there is another set of footsteps that have gone forwards. Right? Then you see that one person went on the right, another person went on the left, another person went Forwards. So what does that mean? That these are the ways that the different people took. These are the ways that the different people adopted. You know, sometimes on snow you see early in the morning that how people have walked across the park and you say, oh, because the school is there, so all the kids went this way. Right? You can see that. So the footsteps of shaitan are the ways of shaitan, the ways that he has adopted, his manners, his ways of doing things. What is it that shaitan does? What are the footsteps of shaitan? What are his ways? What are his habits? What are his actions? They can be summarized into disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every way that Allah does not like, every way that Allah does not approve of. Every way that Allah does not like, that He does not approve of, whether it is doing that which Allah has forbidden, or refusing to do that which Allah has commanded. No matter how clear the command is. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him very clearly, Iblis, prostrate to Adam. What did he do? What did he do? He refused. Was he unaware of the command? Was he unaware? Did he not know what Allah had asked him to do? He was fully aware. Did he not see others obeying Allah? Yes, he did. But yet he did not accept. This is the way of shaitan. What? That a person knows what Allah wants him to do, yet he says, no. He makes an exception for himself. My situation is different. Just like Iblis did. I am better than him. I am better than Adam. I am made from fire, he's made from clay. Yes, you have told us to prostrate, however, I'm not going to because of this and this reason. What does Allah tell us? Enter into Islam completely. Don't make exceptions for yourself. 
Don't say your situation is different and you can't do this and you can't do that. No. When Allah has told you to do something, then do it. You know if you go for your driving test, they ask you when can you borrow somebody's license? When can you drive without a license? What's the answer? Never. Never. Even if you have to take somebody to the hospital, right? Even if you desperately need to go for an appointment, and your father is not home or your sister is not home, can you just borrow their license? Can you drive without a license? You can't do that. It's not acceptable. There are rules of the road that you have to follow. And if you start making exceptions for yourself, then what's going to happen? There are going to be accidents on the road all the time. And eventually, your license, if you have one, will be taken away. Because driving is a privilege, it's not a right. Likewise, as Muslims, there are certain things that we have to do. And if we make exceptions for ourselves that no, because of this reason, because of that reason, I have that excuse, that excuse, we're not playing a game here. This is serious. Allah tells us, "Udhulu fi silmi kafa, wala shaytan." Don't do what shaytan did. And especially, "La shaytan." There are certain actions which have been made very clear that they are the actions of shaytan. That that is how shaytan does certain things. For example, when it comes to eating and drinking, clearly in a hadith which is in Sahih Muslim, we learn that eating with the left, drinking with the left. This is whose way? Shaitan's way. So don't say, oh I have my spoon in my right, or I have my knife in my right hand, so I have to eat with my left hand. No. Never make that exception. You know many times it happens that if people are you know, cutting something with the right hand and they have to use the fork in their left hand, they will eat with their left hand as well. No, we can't do that. Even if we're sitting in a restaurant, even if we're sitting in front of other people, it doesn't matter. When we have been told, don't eat with the left hand, don't drink with the left hand, we are not going to do that. It's not allowed. Because this is what shaitan does. And a person might think, what's the big deal? I mean, it's the same thing, hand, hand. What's the big deal? It is a big deal. Because it starts from these little, little things. You know, when you eat with your right hand, you're more conscious of Allah, more fearful of Allah. Aren't you? And if you're like, oh, whatever, doesn't matter, I'll eat with my left, it's the same thing. Then what's going to happen? You're going to become more neglectful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which is going to affect you in another situation. If you can disobey Allah now, you can disobey Allah at any other time. If you can ignore His command now, you can ignore Him at any other time. And it's these little, little ways through which shaitan gains power over us. If he can make us eat with the left hand, then he can make us do other things as well. So eating with the left, drinking with the left. This is of the actions of shaitan. Another hadith, which is in Ibn Majah, it tells us giving something and taking something in the left is also of the actions of shaitan. So when we are receiving something, like somebody's passing on a piece of paper, a pen, a pencil, how should we take it? In which hand? In the right hand. And when we are giving something, passing something on, which hand should we pass it on from? The right hand, not the left one. What should we use our left hand for? There are many things that we can do with the left hand, many things that we do together, right, with both hands. For example, you're lifting a pot, okay? you are putting something away, you are opening a drawer or whatever. It's best to use the right hand for important things, for good things. Okay, But we know that when it comes to using the washroom, then yes, the left hand is used over there. Okay, Because, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be extremely decent, very, very organized, very particular about the way we do our things as well. Many times it happens that children, when they're very young, you know, they have more strength in their left hand or they're able to use their left hand more for whatever reason. They're young at that time and we can train them to use their right hand as well. So, وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا خُطُوَاتِ shaytan. One more thing, one more action that is of the habits, the actions of shaytan is iltifat, looking around in salah. Shaytan tells us to do that. So we're standing and we're looking at another person or at the carpet. 
what should we be looking at when we are praying? Where should our eyes be? At the place of sajda. Not anywhere else. In your rukur, okay, you may look between your feet, but otherwise no way. You can't look around. Because when a person looks around, even for you know a split second, then that part of his salah, it's as though shaitan snatched it away from him, deprived him of that part of salah. So he's not rewarded for it at all. And if a person looks away repeatedly, then Allah turns away from him. If a person is praying and he looks away once, and he looks away again, that's it. Allah doesn't care about his salah anymore. Allah turns away from him. So, وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا خُطُوَاتِ الشَّيْطَانِ Why? Because, إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينٌ He is to you a clear enemy, عَدُو عِنْدَ الْوَاوُ مُبِينٌ بَيَانُونَ Meaning his enmity is very clear and he has made his enmity very obvious to you as well. Don't you see how he refused to prostrate to Adam? I mean, how much more do you want? What more do you want to see to, to realize that shaitan is your clear enemy? He's made his enmity evident to you. And you know what? Every single person experiences in their life at least once that they're in trouble. They're like shaitan. It's because of shaitan. Shaitan made me so angry. Or I listened to shaitan. Or he made me sleep in. Or he made me press the shaitan button, you know, the snooze button on the alarm clock. There are many times in our lives that we are in trouble and we're like, it's because of shaitan. So Allah is telling us, إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينٌ He is your clear enemy. Then don't follow him. Don't listen to him. Don't do what he did. And who is an adu? Someone who wants evil for you. Who doesn't want good for you. Shaitan doesn't want you to just suffer in this world. He wants you to be tortured in hellfire for eternity. He doesn't want to just kill you. Killing you was easier. He wants you to suffer in hellfire. That's what he wants. For every moment you are tortured. That's what he wants from you. Recently I read, one of the shayukh had written, that if you hear about these people, you know, attacking children and attacking people in their houses and killing them. Imagine you are there and your family is killed by these murderers. How would you feel? How would you feel extremely angry that they killed my family, my brothers, my children, my cousins, my relatives, my neighbors? You hate them. You hate such people, the murderers of your friends, of your families. But imagine shaitan is a greater enemy to us. He doesn't just want to kill us. Killing us would be easy for him. What he wants is that we end up in hellfire and that we suffer over there. إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينٌ So when he's your clear enemy, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Because your enemy would never tell you what is good for you. Never. It doesn't befit a person who has some intellect, who uses their mind to listen to their enemy, to do what their enemy is telling them to do. And it doesn't befit a believer at all. إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينٌ فَإِن زَلَلْتُمْ Then if you slipped, زَاي لَامْ لَامْ زَلَّ To slip. So if you slip, مِنْ بَعْدِ After, مَا جَاءَتْكُمُ الْبَيِّنَاتِ After the clear proofs have come to you. Bayinat is a plural of bayinat, clear evidence, clear proof. And what does it refer to? The Qur'an, the clear commands. So if you slip after the clear commands, the clear instructions have come to you, meaning you know what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. You know it very clearly, but still you slip after that. Whose fault is it then? Whose fault is it then? It's our fault. It's just as you're driving on the highway and it says, road slippery. The warning signs are there. You're listening to the radio. They're telling you, drive carefully. But you're like, yeah, whatever. These people, they're just afraid. They're just afraid. And you start speeding. And if your car ends up in a skid and you have an accident, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? It's your fault. Can you say that, oh, you should have put more salt on the on the highway? Can you say that? 
Can you sue the government or whatever? You can't do that. They're going to say, the warning signs were there. You told what the speed limit is. You know about the rules of the road. You slip, your fault, your mistake. You suffer the consequences. You bear the losses yourself. When does a person slip? When he's not attentive, when he's not careful. And what it means by slipping over here in this context is that you end up doing something wrong. You end up listening to shaitan. You end up disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And why is it called zalal? Why is it called slipping? Because what's the result of slipping? What's the consequence of slipping? Suffering, destruction. You fall and you end up hurting yourself. You end up harming yourself. Either yourself or your property. This is just like a person is not attentive and he's walking and he ends up falling in a ditch. He didn't bother to wear snow boots. It's extremely icy. And he slips. And he fractures his bone. That's the end result. This is why it's called zalal. Disobeying Allah is not something that's small. Disregarding the commands of Allah is not something that's small. It's a big deal. Always remember that. So if we miss a prayer, it's not something small. It's a big deal. Likewise, if we deliberately don't fast, when there's no reason not to fast, we don't fast. This is not something that's small. It's a big deal. فَإِن زَلَلْتُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَتْكُمُ الْبَيِّنَاتِ The clear proofs are there. You know what you should be doing. Yet you disobey. فَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ It's a great warning. Then you should know that indeed Allah is mighty and He is Hakim. Aziz, عَيْن زَاي زَاي عِزَّةِ What does عِزَّةِ mean? What does عِزَّةِ mean? I told you earlier. Honor. So Allah is Aziz, meaning He is very honorable. Another meaning of Izza is Izzatul Qahr, meaning a person has uh, is dominant, he has the upper hand, no one can overpower him. So Allah is Aziz, meaning He is mighty, no one can defeat Him. Another meaning of Izza is Izzatul Imtina'ah. Meaning to be able to prevent someone from doing something. Imtina'ah, that's what it means. So Izzatul Imtina'ah is that no one can prevent him. He's so mighty, he's so powerful, that no one at all can prevent him from doing what he wants to do. So if you disobey Allah, you slip, you harm yourself, you suffer, then you should know that Allah is mighty. He can punish you. You can't avoid His punishment. And He's Hakim from Hukum, judgment. That He can make a judgment against you. And he can implement that. And no one can prevent that. No one can save you then. No one can protect you then. And it happens that when we disobey Allah, then we suffer the consequences in our personal lives. We see the effects in perhaps our finances, in the way our relationships are with other people. Just the other day somebody was mentioning that they attended a khutbat al-nikah in which the speaker, he was saying that when you don't fear Allah, when you disobey Allah, then you see its consequences in your children and in your spouse. That your children become disobedient and your spouse also is not in good terms with you anymore. When you disobey Allah. This is why we see that in Surah Al-Talaq, Taqwa is mentioned so much. Have fear of Allah. Do what you're supposed to do. And then the relationships will improve by themselves. Allah will cause them to become better. But if we disobey Allah, then we see the consequences in our lives. Because فَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ So we see that nobody deliberately slips. But a person slips when he's not being mindful, when he's not being attentive. And that is his fault. So when we do something wrong, even if it was an accident, we are at fault. You know, there's something I can never understand. That I had a lot of difficulty understanding and eventually I got it. That why is it that if you have an accident, you end up hitting somebody from the back, it's always your fault. Why? Why? I mean, it was just that split second when you weren't paying attention, and the person in front of you, they slammed their brakes, you didn't realize, you didn't realize, you didn't intentionally hit someone, so why do you have to suffer the loss? Why is an accident an accident? Why do you have to suffer a loss? Because you could have avoided that if you were more attentive. So when you weren't attentive, it is your fault. Just like Adam alayhi salam. 
He was in Jannah. He was told very clearly, don't eat of the fruit of that tree. He wasn't being attentive at that time. And he ate. It was his fault. And this is what shaitan does to us. Just like he made Adam a.s. disobey Allah, he makes us disobey Allah as well. And we realize afterwards. So when we realize afterwards, what should we do? We realize that we have slipped. What should we do? Get up. Make amends. Say sorry. Apologize. Turn to Allah. Seek His forgiveness. Because you can slip. Slipping is possible. But the problem is when you stay there, you have to get up. You have to face the reality. It was like somebody hits somebody's car and they just put their head on the steering wheel and they start crying. Is it going to solve the problem? No. Or somebody gets up, you know, they get out of their car and they start kicking their car. Is it going to solve the problem? Or they, you know, leave their car and they walk away. Is that going to solve the problem? You can't ignore the reality. You have to face it. Likewise, it happens that You know, for example, you end up missing your salah. Think about it. Why did you miss your fajr? Why? Why did you miss your fajr? Take it seriously. Don't say, oh, never mind. Allah is forgiving. It's a serious problem. Reflect on your life. Reflect on your bedtime routine. What do you do at night that prevents you from getting up in the morning? Are you sleeping at the wrong time? Did you pray Isha properly? Did you say your nighttime adhkar? Your bedtime adhkar? Did you say them? Did you say ayatul kursi? Did you follow the sunnah? Did you sleep with wudu? Did you have the intention to get up for fajr? Did you set an alarm? Did you do anything to get up for fajr on time? If you didn't, then it is your fault for sure. So what do we have to do then? When we slip, get up. Do something different. Avoid that mistake from repeating again in the future. And we have to avoid, because if we don't, فَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ Allah is mighty. He knows what we're doing and He can punish us. Think about it. If Allah asks us on the Day of Judgment, why did you miss your fajr? What response do we have? What answer do we have? What can we say at that time? Many times we think, oh, my mom didn't wake me up for Fajr. My older sister didn't. My dad didn't. Well, you know what? You're an adult now. And you have to get up yourself. It's your responsibility to wake up for Fajr. Your father won't be questioned about your Fajr. You will be questioned about your Fajr. Recently somebody mentioned that uh, they have experienced it in their life that when they recite Surah Al-Mulk at night, then they don't miss their Fajr at all. And the day they don't recite Surah Al-Mulk, Right at night, then they end up missing their fajr. Because when you go to sleep in that mode of worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you're given tawfiq to worship Allah even more. But if you slept after watching a movie, after watching television, for two, three hours, then please, don't even think you're going to get up then. Then you are going to sleep in. You are going to end up missing your fajr. So we should take this seriously, not just a matter of Salatul Fajr, but everything in our lives. That if we slip after matters are very clear to us, if we end up doing something wrong, then we should remember that Allah is Aziz, He is Hakim. We cannot run away from Him. La malja wa la manja minka illa ilayk. There is no refuge against you except to you. A person cannot run away from Allah, but he can only run to Him. فَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ Allah says, هَلْ يَنْظُرُونَ Are they waiting for? Meaning, what are they waiting for? Why won't they enter into Islam completely? Why don't they pray? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? هَلْ يَنْظُرُونَ What are they waiting for? I remember somebody, I asked them recently that, why don't you learn how to cook? I mean, it's about time. You're quite old now and you should be cooking and you know there are other people who are dependent on you it's about time and they said I'm waiting for the sky to turn green what does that mean? never I don't want to but if a person does that then who are they harming? then who are they harming? themselves 
Likewise, if a person does not take their fajr seriously, if they don't take the recitation of Qur'an seriously, if they don't take their akhlaq seriously, they're fulfilling their promises seriously, they're paying zakat seriously, they're fulfilling their obligation seriously, Allah is saying, what are you waiting for? هَلْ يَنظُرُونَ Are they waiting for? From نَظَرَ نُنظَرَ Are they waiting for? إِلَّا except أَمْ that يَأْتِيَهُمُ اللَّهُ Allah comes to them فِي ظُلَلٍ In covers مِنَ الْغَمَامِ Of clouds ظُلَل is a plural of ظُلَّة ظَا لَام لَام And ظُلَّة is something that is above you Providing shade Okay So it's like a canopy A cover So in covers of what? الْغَمَامِ Clouds We have done the word غَمَامِ earlier Are they waiting that Allah should come to them In covers of clouds Meaning with the clouds وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ And the angels should also come? When will this happen? On the Day of Judgment. So in other words, are they waiting for death? Are they waiting for the Day of Judgment to come? Because we learn in Surah An-Naba, Ayah 19, وَفُتِحَتِ السَّمَاءُ فَكَانَتْ أَبُوَابَ The sky will be opened up, it will be as though doors. In Surah Fajr, we learn, كَلَّا إِذَا دُكَّتِ الْأَرْضُ دَكَّنْ دَكَّا وَجَاءَ رَبُّكَ وَالْمَلَكُ صَفًّا صفا. Your Lord will come, the angels will come. So are they waiting for Allah to come? Are they waiting for the angels to come? Because when that will happen, وَقُضِيَ الْأَمْرُ Then the amr, the matter, will be decided. قَافْ ضَادِيَا It will be decreed. Meaning then the final judgment will take place. وَإِلَى اللَّهِ تُرْجَعُ الْأُمُورُ And all matters return to Allah anyway. تُرْجَعْ رَاجِيم عَيْن And umur plural of amr. All matters return to Allah anyway. In other words, why are they procrastinating? There are many things that we know we should be doing, but we keep delaying them. We keep deferring them. Like for example, we know that as a Muslim woman, we have to wear the hijab. But we keep delaying, no, no, when I'm 16, no, when I'm 18, no, when I'm 20. Right? We keep delaying it. Allah says, what are you waiting for? You know it's a part of Islam, you know you're supposed to do it. What are you waiting for? Likewise, we know that we have to pray sunnah. Right? We should pray sunnah. After zuhur, after maghrib, after isha, before fajr, we should pray. But we're like, you know what? These days I'm very busy. These days, you know, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And then one excuse after the other, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for death? Are you waiting for the day of judgment to come? When you see the angels, when you see Allah, then you'll be like, okay, I better do something. But if you want to do something at that time, can you do it? It's not going to benefit you then. Because وَقُضِيَ الْأَمْرُ Then the final judgment will be made. No matter how many prayers you pray on the day of judgment, it's not going to help you. No matter how much sadaqah you give on the day of judgment, it's not going to help you. No matter how many hijabs you try to wear on the day of judgment, on the day of your death, it's not going to help you. You have to do it now. You have to pray sunnah now. You have to get up and pray fajr now. You have to recite Qur'an now. You have to say your adhkar now. Don't delay. وَإِلَى اللَّهِ تُرْجَعُ الْأُمُورِ All matters are returning to Allah anyway. And your case will also be taken to Allah. Allah will judge you as well. So before that time comes, do something. You still have doubts? Allah says, سَلْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ Ask the children of Israel. سَلْ This is from Seen Hamza Lam. Su'al is to question. Sal, it's a command. Ask. When do you say that? When you're offended, when you're upset. You don't believe me? You're not convinced? Okay, go ahead and ask so and so. Ask her, ask him. So Allah is telling us, ask the Bani Israel. Ask them, Kam ataynahum. How many we gave them? Min ayatin. Of ayat that is bayyina, clear. How many clear signs we gave them? What does ayah refer to? Clear miracles, clear evidences, clear commands that were given to the Bani Israel. This includes the Torah, this includes the miracles that they were shown at the hands of Musa salam, at the hands of Isa salam, and all the prophets that were sent to them, all the commands they were given. So ask them how many clear signs we gave them, but what was their reaction? Were they more obedient to Allah on receiving those blessings? On receiving the blessing of Iman? On receiving the blessing of guidance? Were they more obedient? No. 
We know what Bani Israel did. We have learned about them in the first juz. What did they do? When the book was given to them, Nabada Fariqun. مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَرَاءَ ظُهُورِهِمْ They threw the book back as if they didn't even know the book existed. Likewise, some people do the same thing with the Qur'an. They put the Qur'an away as if it doesn't even exist. They disregard what is mentioned in the Qur'an as if it is not even mentioned in it. Some people very openly and others in a very passive way. Some people very openly, like for example, they say, oh, you don't have to pray like that, you don't have to wear hijab, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. Whereas it's clearly mentioned in the Qur'an. And others, they know, but their actions show that they know nothing. Why is it that we're always trying to convince the non-Muslims that we Muslims are different kinds? There are some Muslims who are practicing and other Muslims who are not practicing. You know, this is what Muslims do, but this is not what Islam says. Because our actions contradict Islam. Right? Our actions contradict Islam. This is why all our efforts are in trying to separate Muslims from Islam. So the Bani Israel they ignored the guidance that Allah gave them. What are we doing? Allah says, ask them. كَمْ آتَيْنَاهُمْ مِنْ آيَةٍ بَيِّنَةٍ وَمَنْ يُبَدِّلْ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ And whoever changes, بَادَ لَامْ Whoever changes the blessing of Allah مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَتُهُ After it has come to him. How is the blessing changed? How is the blessing altered? What it means over here is that the blessing, when a person receives it, he should be grateful for it. Right? But if he is ungrateful for the blessing, then Allah takes that blessing away. So Allah gave him the blessing, he was ungrateful, so that blessing was changed for him. Meaning it was taken away, or it was replaced by something else. So whoever changes the blessing of Allah after it has come to him, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ شَدِيدُ الْعِقَابِ Then Allah is indeed severe in retribution. عِقَاب عَيْنْ قَافْبَى Retribution, punishment, infliction of punishment. Because when a person is grateful for a blessing, then Allah will increase, multiply that blessing for him. But when a person is ungrateful, then Allah takes it away. In the Qur'an we are told, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ بَدَّلُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ كُفْرًا have you not seen, have you not reflected on the state of the people who changed the blessing of Allah into disbelief? Meaning when Allah gave them blessing, it was an opportunity for them to be more obedient. But instead of being obedient, they became disobedient. So they themselves changed their situation. Allah made their situation so good, but they were ungrateful, so the blessings were taken away from them. This is a continuation of what we learned earlier. When you're obedient, وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ And when a person is disobedient, when he follows the footsteps of shaitan, then the blessings of Allah are taken away from him. He sees the consequences in his life, in his personal life, in his family, in his children, in the way things are going for him. Nothing seems to work. He's frustrated all the time. This is a consequence of sins. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ شَدِيدُ الْعِقَابِ And this is just the punishment of this world. What about in the hereafter? Let's listen to the recitation. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu dhkhulu fi s-silmi kaffatan wa la tattabi'u khutuwati shaytan innahu lakum aduwum mubin فَإِن زَلَلْتُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَتْكُمُ الْبَيِّنَاتُ فَاعْلَمُوا فَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ هَلْ يَنْظُرُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَأْتِيَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي ظُلَلٍ الغمام والملائكة وقضي الأمر وإلى الله ترجع الأمور سلبني إسرائيل كم آتيناهم من آية بينه 
What happens? That a person knows the truth. He knows he should follow it. He knows about Islam. He knows about the commands of Allah. But yet he doesn't want to sometimes. Why? Sleep is too good. Right? He just wants to keep sleeping. Likewise, it's possible that a girl knows she should be wearing hijab, but she says, no, I love to show my hair. I love to wear my hairstyle like this, like that. If I put the hijab on, then... How can I enjoy that? So what stops a person from obeying Allah? What stops a person from obeying Allah? Huh? The desires. This dunya. The pleasures of this world. The enjoyment of this world. So Allah says that the enjoyment of this world is made beautiful for who? Alladina kafaru. Not the believers. Zuyina is from Zayyanun. Zina is beauty. And Tazyin is when something is made beautiful for you, meaning you find something attractive. It could be a sound, it could be a scene, it could be a taste, it could be anything that you find attractive. And it's not necessary that it is beautiful. Because beauty lies in the eyes of the beholders. This is why someone buys a pair of shoes and they're in love with them and you're like, Seriously? I would never get them for free even. So everybody's choices are different, right? So, tazyin is when something has been made beautiful. So, zuyina, it has been made attractive. لِلَّذِينَ kafaru For those people who disbelieve. What has been made attractive? الْحَيَاةُ dunya, The life of this world. But, notice what has been said. الَّذِينَ kafaru, Not الَّذِينَ amanu. The world is beautiful. It is attractive. It is very pleasing. You can enjoy a lot. There are many things to enjoy. But a believer knows that this is not all enjoyment. This is not all beauty. This is not real beauty. A believer knows that this dunya is not everything. He knows that there is more after this life. This is why if he has to sacrifice his sleep, he says, okay, I can do that. I can rest later. This is why, if he knows he cannot eat at a particular time, he can do that. Why? Because he knows he can eat later. He will eat in Jannah, inshallah. A person controlled his or her desires. Why? With the hope that Allah will give him more and better where? In paradise. So when a person has paradise to look forward to, Jannah to look forward to, when he's seeking the Allah, then he is able to sacrifice this dunya. But if a person does not look forward to the akhirah, then this world is everything to him. Then he's shocked to see how a person could not just buy a house, even with interest. Then he's shocked that how could a girl cover herself up? Or how could a person not have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Why do they have to get married? People are shocked. They cannot understand how can Muslims live like that even. Does it ever happen to you? Have you ever experienced it that people are just like, you're weird. How can you live like that? How could you not eat this? And how can you not drink that? And how can you not party? And how can you not do what we're doing? And they feel bad for you sometimes. They pity you sometimes. And you're like, I'm fine the way I am. You know, yes, it is a challenge sometimes, but it's okay, I can resist my temptations, I can control myself a little bit here, there. What gives you the strength to control yourself? Hope for paradise. But if a person is not hoping for paradise, then what happens? He can't control himself. So, زُيِّنَ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا الْحَيَاةُ dunya. For them, this dunya is everything. And if anybody is not striving for dunya, they think they're a loser. They think they don't have anything. You know like how sometimes um, 
Like recently I was walking outside with my children and this man drove by and he yelled out, This is Canada. And for a moment I'm like, What did he say? Why did he say that? I'm like, Oh, it's my hijab. Because he's trying to tell me I'm in Canada so I don't need to wear it. They think that we are oppressed. They think that we are forced. But it's amazing. This is Canada when it's winter. Don't you cover yourself? Don't you cover yourself? You do. So why is it a problem to cover yourself in summer? Because Allah wants you to cover. It's not a problem. It shouldn't be a problem. But if a person thinks, oh, she's covered and she cannot expose herself, she cannot reveal herself, she doesn't have that freedom, then either he will mock at her or he will feel pity for her. But she's fine the way she is. So, زُيِّنَ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا Because he thinks that dunya is everything. And if somebody is missing out on worldly pleasures, then he's crazy. This is why, وَيَسْخَرُونَ And they mock at, سِينْ خَارَى To mock at someone. They mock at, مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا At those people who believe. Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ And those people who have taqwa, those people who have fear of Allah, notice it hasn't been said, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا But وَالَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ Those people who have taqwa, who fear Allah, even when others are mocking them, even when others are ridiculing them, they fear Allah and they keep doing what Allah has commanded them to do. They don't give in to the peer pressure. Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ فَوْقَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ They will be above them on the day of judgment. Above who? Above those who mocked at them. Above those who made fun of them. This is just like before an exam. Before an exam, students, their behaviors are different. Some students, they're working, they're studying in the library, outside of the library. And other students, they call them nerds. Right? They call them bookworms. Or they will describe them with other derogatory terms just to make fun of them. And they're busy partying, having fun. But what happens when the results come? Who's at the top? Those who are partying? Those who are wasting their time? Those who are busy mocking at others? No. It was others who were more serious. So, وَالَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ فَوْقَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Those people who live a life of taqwa, a life of consciousness of Allah, they will be above the rest of the people on the Day of Judgment. And the Day of Judgment, that is the real place. That is a place, that is the time, our success. That is the place and time where we should be concerned. We don't want to be behind. We want to be ahead. Because that is for eternity. وَالَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ فَوْقَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَاللَّهُ يَرْزُقُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ And Allah provides whomsoever He wills بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ Without any account. Without any measure. Meaning, He provides whomsoever He wants with a lot. Without any measure. Sometimes Allah gives a lot to those who believe and those who are righteous. And other times Allah gives a lot to those who disobey Allah, those who reject Him, those who ridicule the believers. And you wonder that why do they have more? Why do they have more? Does that mean that Allah is happy with them? Not necessarily. Allah is just testing them. وَاللَّهُ يَرْزُقُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ This is just dunya. But mainly in the akhirah, in jannah, Allah will provide the believers without any measure. Without any measure. You know in this dunya, you go to a resort, you go to a hotel, and every time you want to order something, you want to use something, you worry that you will be charged for it. Recently I was at a hotel and there were water bottles, and on the water bottle there was a tag, it said four and a half dollars. I was like, water bottle, four and a half dollars? I was really thirsty, but I was like, I don't think it's worth four, four and a half dollars. I'll just wait until my husband will bring the water bottles from the car. Really? You're like, you don't want to waste all that money. But in dunya, what happens? Anywhere you go for enjoyment, you're charged for every little thing. For every little thing. But in Jannah, the people of Jannah will enjoy one thing after the other, but they will not be charged. بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ These past holidays, we took the kids to, and myself, to marine land. I love animals, and I really wanted to see whales and you know dolphins and so on and so forth. There was a place where you could actually feed the whales yourself and touch the whales. 
So I'm like, I want to go there. Forget the show, forget everything else. There's too much music in the show anyway. I don't want to go there. I want to touch the whale. And I want to feed the whale. And then we found out that for every person to be able to touch the whale, you had to buy a ticket. You had to buy a ticket for each person to be able to touch the whale and feed the whale. So my baby, six months old, we wanted her to touch the whale as well. So we had to purchase a ticket for her too. Otherwise she could not go. I was like, this is dunya. You touch an animal once and you have to pay for it? Really? Amazing is Jannah. You can touch, you can fly, you can swim yourself, you can do whatever you want. But you won't be charged. Wallahu yarzuqu man yasha'u bighayri hisab. So that is what we should be striving for. That is what we should be struggling towards. Mardatillah. Because when you strive to earn the pleasure of Allah, and when Allah is happy, then everything is good. And if you lose it, if you fail in this world, and you give in to peer pressure, just because others are looking at you weird, or they're talking about you weird, and you say that I can't do this anymore, I can't pray, I can't do this, then a person will suffer in the hereafter. Allah says in the Quran, "Unzur kaifa fadlna baghum ala baghum, wala al-akhiratu akbaru darajatin wa akbaru tafdila." Look at how we have favored in provision some of them over others. Look at how people are so different in this dunya. Some people have so much, and others have so little. Look at the variation in this world. But you know what? In the hereafter, it is greater. The hereafter is greater in degrees of difference and greater in distinction. In this dunya, okay. Some people can touch the whales, but other people can at least see them. Right? It's not that big of a difference. What's the big deal? You can take a picture even from the internet. Right? And you can Photoshop it. Just cut out your picture of yourself and put it next to a whale and there, you're touching the whale. Right? What's the difference? It's not that much. But in the hereafter is the real difference. When people will not even be able to smell the fragrance of Jannah. Those who will be deprived of Jannah, they cannot even smell Jannah. They cannot even have a glimpse of paradise. They cannot even have a drop of cool water. They cannot even touch it. They're far away from it. Far, far away. So the real striving should be, for the pleasure of Allah, for the hereafter, that is the real home. This dunya is temporary. You struggle, you sacrifice, soon it will be over. But what will be seen is your efforts. Let's listen to the recitation. Zuyina lilladhina kafaru al-hayatu al-dunya wa yaskharuna minal ladhina amanu wal-ladhina attaqaw fawqahum yawma al-qiyamah wallahu yarzuqu man yasha'u bi ghayri hisab 